we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. And stop the presses. We have yet another Oscar Sprint profile, believe it or not, as we record this here on the 3rd of April. Still relatively secure in quarantine, I hope. I'm your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, from his house as well. So I hope Oscar Sprint profile number four comes soon, but I have no reason to believe it will. So this might be the last OSP for a long time. I hope that's not true. I really want more OSPs because I feel like we're getting into a false sense of security right now because we just did Crip Camp and now we're doing, you know, never rarely, sometimes, always. And I'm really excited that we're doing two Oscar movies in a row. We just did Oscar Race Checkpoint, but what the hell is coming up in the next two months? We don't know. Yeah, or well, we do know, and it's nothing you know, except for what we get on VOD and Trolls World Tour, but you said it, it's the Oscar Sprint profile of never, rarely, sometimes, always, and we've had a couple OSPs, as we refer to them lovingly as, in a row here, and if you've not joined us for any of those, what we're going to do is break down the film, never, rarely, sometimes, always. The first half is going to be a spoiler-free or a non-spoiler review, then we'll have a spoiler warning, a little dance breakdown for you guys to groove along to, and we'll finish it off by going through the spoilers and what actually happens in and out of the plot and to the characters and all that fun stuff. So, Michael, I guess let's start and uh, let, let's do a production profile and start running it down. This is a, a surprise movie. It was released today, the 3rd of April, on VOD for 1999 to rent. What do we have for Never Rarely, Sometimes Always? Yes, Eliza Hitman is the writer-director auteur here. I mean, she really proved herself. I'm going to have a lot of good things to say about her. She's previously done Beach Rats and a bunch of episodes of 13 Reasons Why, amongst a bunch of other stuff. So I think she's getting into that zone of, uh, you know, look out for this person. And maybe soon, because she she's going to be in, in a lot of Oscar conversations going forward, the work she did here. She's got a great name, too, for the industry. <laughs> The Hitman, especially for WrestleMania weekend, that works well. <laughs> so that maybe that's why they timed it for right now. I'm sure that's I'm sure that's it. I'm sure it that's nothing exactly to do with anything yeah. else. Uh, we have actress Sydney Flanagan film debut here, which is she's never been an actor before. Uh, she plays Autumn, the main character, and her best friend slash cousin is Skyler, who's played by Talia Ryder, and uh, she's going to be in West Side Story this December. She was a child actress, uh, did a couple things. She's, she's going to be in a couple more things going on. She's more of the theater kid, uh, and she's working with a non-actor, and I, I thought they were both very convincing. Uh, other than that, we have Black Klansman's Ryan Eggold, Theodore Pellerin from, of Boy Erased, we have uh, singer-songwriter Sharon Van Etten. She did a couple songs in the soundtrack, Mike. And I, I think she's the mother in this story. Never Rarely, Sometimes Always premiered at Sundance this past January, where it won a special jury prize. It also screened at the 70th Berlin Film Festival, where it ended up winning the Silver Bear there. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes right now from 84 critic reviews. That's the score it carries. It also has an incredibly high 93 meta score, but it does have a relatively lower 6.7 early review score on IMDb. That on only the first 400 or so votes there. The film had maybe a day in theaters before everything shut down this past March 13th, and they opted then to release this exclusively on VOD April 3rd, like I said. So with the nature of this story, are you surprised at that audience score? I mean, this is kind of par for the course, right? It's incredibly early, but yeah, I'm surprised there's that much of a differentiation between the early critics and the early audience. And I'm always of the opinion that if you have a low-budget indie film like this, Get your people who are attached to the film or like who even had a day on set to IMDb and give it a 10 for you just to get word of mouth moving. So anytime you're you're lower than like a seven, I get a little 
curious. So yes, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, yes, that does surprise me. So you need the grassroots campaign, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, plot premise of Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, is a pair of teenage girls in rural Pennsylvania travel to New York City to seek out medical help after an unintended pregnancy. So Mike, what were your expectations going in? I don't mean to steal your thunder, but I didn't know. All we had and all I knew about this was to was what we reviewed from the trailer already when we already knew it was critically acclaimed and getting high critic scores. And the trailer was what it was. We reviewed that on a recent, I think it was an MMO Weekly uh, last month or the month before. And we had, we knew it was a high-scored movie. Uh, we knew it was about an abortion and about these two best friends, apparently their cousins, road trip to New York like the plot premise just described. So I didn't know. I, I didn't know what I, if I was getting a coming-of-age story. I didn't know if I was getting a, a fight-the-system type story. I really wasn't sure and I was just strapped in for anything because I was just curious to learn how something that had this story attached to it could kind of be as across the board satisfying to as many critics as it seems to have been thus far. What about you, Mike? So I didn't know if I knew what I expected. Does that (laughs) make sense? Yeah, Like, sure, go ahead. I can't figure it out. Like, I also went into this movie with a blank slate. This question should be easier. We start off with this question because it's supposed to be a softball for us to start off the review. But I can't put my finger on what exactly I was expecting with this movie. And maybe that's the right male answer. I don't know. I mean, think about who's listening in their cars or their homes right now. Do you think that we have a lot of female listeners who are, like, nodding their heads? Like, good, you fat-headed idiots should not know (laughs) to expect. Just sit there and just... Just learn, god damn it, because you don't know shit about this. And how could you? And and of course we don't. So I mean I, I did learn a lot from this movie. I have never experienced something like this. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about the film just going in, right? I think that's that's a mark to say you're gonna see something unique here. So it's worth the uh, the price of admission right there. Yeah, it's a high volatility, too, and I I always like, I say this numerous times, I like when a trailer doesn't exactly show me the whole movie, and I go in with kind of more questions than answers at that point, unless it's a giant blockbuster where I I should know what's going on, because that raises concerns, but this one is a small indie film, and I shouldn't know what's going on, and I think you hit the nail on the head, I mean, why would guys like us who have come from a place of incredible privilege or basically our entire lives have any idea on how to relate to this white men that come from these privileged places that don't deal with these gender issues as is anyway uh yeah i think you you, there are a lot of people that are just nodding their head along and and calling us stupid and rightfully so so good for them (laughs) well let's be stupid together going forward here mike and review the production values something that maybe we can talk about in an intelligent way because i wanted to start with sound Today, we had a lot of songs that factored in in a big way. And then, you know, on the sly, uh, the movie starts with He's Got the Power by the Exciters. I was not happy about that. I thought it was a kind of on-the-nose choice, except <laughs> except it leads to a pretty uh, an incredible scene. So I'm, I'm really impressed with the scene overall. Now, we have uh, Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying by Jerry and the Pacemakers. we got two songs from Sharon Van Etten. we got Jailhouse Rock by Elvis Presley. And we got uh, Wishing by A Flock of Seagulls. I think that was a song the busboy was singing at the karaoke. I don't remember. Oh, but anyway, it? we got karaoke. Whatever we got. We got a lot of music going on here, and I think the music is very important. I read some some things about how the music is referring to the year before Roe v. Wade, how it's referring to, you know, some serious times in uh in, in the patriarchy, I guess, right? 
Interesting. I, I mean, the music, there is definitely those songs that play a role within the film. And when songs were played uh, to lay out subtext or to maybe, exp- like you said, a little on the nose to kind of explain what's going on or what to expect, they have a role in the film and you take note of them. I thought both from a sight and sound standpoint, otherwise, cinematography, production design, as far as uh, any kind of soundtrack attached to this or any kind of sound editing, sound mixing, I thought this was a very indie feeling film which isn't necessarily a bad thing but that's to say i didn't really notice much of a soundtrack or or i should say score excuse me to go along with this i didn't really notice much of a a use of 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 sound or sight or camera tricks it seemed like it was very gritty and they wanted it to be and feel very gritty and very true to life because it wasn't a happy go lucky movie and it was this it was giving you the realness of new york city and i thought the sounds and and sights kind of attributed that to the intimidation of the city life in manhattan and you as well as anyone would know what that's like so that was my take from the production designs in total so yeah the only thing i noticed with the cinematography was like the shaky handheld camera at times and in terms of the score it was sparse and again it doesn't really shine necessarily but Mm -hmm. there's like a lot of beautiful voices right beautiful female voices singing throughout it and then you get a little bit of piano or whatever right it's probably not a score that you can like just listen to maybe it is i mean i guess we got to try it if we can just listen to the score that would mean it's not an indie film and it's got oscar legs does that does that make sense or if it's (laughs) if it's something that just sounds like it'd be hilarious but on its own then maybe we shouldn't uh Maybe we just should stay away from this whole thing and move on here to a review. I'll tell you, if you played the score for me right now in front of me and like exactly. blasted it in my eardrums, I would have no idea it was from this movie. I, I, that's how I felt about it. I don't want to imitate it because that's going to assassinate <laughs> my character right now. Fair it, enough. It's a be- the score worked. I thought. I just. Okay. It, I don't know if it uh, it works in real life. It works in the movie life. Anyway, Mike, let's review the performances. I really appreciate the casting here. I think uh, when you're making a movie about 17-year-old girls and you mm-hmm. have sex involved, right, in any way, yeah. shape, or form, cast a 17-year-old girl. Obviously, don't show the sex, but I, I don't mean it that way. Cast a 17-year-old girl. It's totally different than casting a 27-year-old girl like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's totally different than in every other fucking Hollywood movie yep. where you have 23-year-olds playing 17-year-olds. These two girls look like children. They, they are, are babies. The most 17, 17 year olds yeah. ever, just based on how they how they react, their natural inclination, their tones when they're addressing certain things. Their half measures with speak to one another. They say full sentences and full like dialogues in one word and one sentence sometimes. I, I absolutely co-sign and agree a thousand percent. And I think that goes not only to the strength of the director and the strength of the casting. But I was blown away by Sidney Flanagan in particular. Talia Ryder, too, but those two leads, Autumn and Skyler, I guess Skyler's more of a support, but Autumn especially, I love what they did with these roles. So she's a musician, right, who I guess is not like a Sydney well- Sidney Flanagan, you're Sydney, Sydney Flanagan. Yeah. She's not a well-known musician because she also worked at a grocery store heading into this, which you know fits her character. But she's used to just having people look at her, and I don't know how she pulled- some of that acting off i'm with you in in a in her first acting performance ever i'm shocked to hear you tell me that this was her first. i mean because this looks like i mean some of the emotional investment she's doing in some of these scenes playing that 17 year old who's awfully innocent and awfully vulnerable and awfully uncomfortable and obviously yeah. doesn't want to be i i mean this is pro stuff that she's doing we have jean-luc godard wonners 
just staring at her. Look the at camera you. doesn't move. Just it's just her face, and she carries that for like a six minute scene. Yeah, it's insane. Like, and it's the titular scene of the film. Yep. And it, the camera is just on her face with the voice of the person behind her. And this never acted before in her life. Uh, first timer is is carrying the film, and I'm I'm so impressed. I'm I might be as impressed as I was with Yalizia Aparicio from Roma. And I, I hope that she gets renowned at the end of the day. You know, if, if the field is open enough for her, I, I hope she she gets uh, a moment in award season to come. As for Talia Ryder, Mike, what did you think of the, the supporting performance? I thought it was pretty bubbly. I thought she uh, I thought she had some action chops, too. Yeah, I, I liked, like I said, I liked both girls' performance. And I think it was a little more bubbly from the Skyler, and it had to be for a couple reasons uh, and not obviously Skyler is going through different things than the Autumn character is, but also Autumn had to be so docile and desolate throughout the entire movie to have a big payoff scene at the end that was full of subtext and all. basically is the, the theme of the movie. Uh, so I, I think it was necessary. I think Skyler was a very necessary component to that kind of the, the interplay between those two characters and kind of the feeling of the whole movie. And she was at certain points, the audience conduit. I mean, autumn had a lot of screen time and you're right. The camera was fixated on her a lot, but when it wasn't on her, it seemed to be on the Skylar character. So uh, again, I was very, very impressed with both these performances. I would say your take on Yalitza Aparicio for Sydney is pretty much spot on, except that I think Sidney Flanagan might have actually had the camera on her more often. Yalitza Aparicio may have been able to hide in the background a little more, which isn't a slight towards her. Right. It's just that, like you said, the camera was fixated on Autumn. So Skyler was, to me, I may have misspoke when I called them both leads at first, clearly the support in this. And this was Autumn's story and movie to shine. So Eliza Hitman discovers these two girls and really in a, a true auteur style, you know, writes a script, directs it. There's a lot of simple dialogue here that's loaded to move into script thoughts. Yes. A lot of simple conversations where it's how do you feel? Oh, I'm tired. And you can read into those meanings. I don't necessarily know if I have, if I'm on top of all the subtext yet, if I have all that worked out in my head because I only was able to watch this movie once uh, like you before hit and record today. But here's what I do think. I think I expected less of a character study with this i expected more of an issue movie this movie is so specific you get to know these two kids more than just being the every kid and that's typically what you get in a fable or a morality tale right you get the every person the every man the every girl you don't get to know this these specific people like this with this dial this kind of dialogue like eliza hitman's able to do here yeah it's a little too personal, which I don't mean as a, as a slight or an insult or pejoratively. I mean that in the sense that I would think this comes from Eliza Hitman's life or somebody. She lived this with somebody because it looks like it's in the way that Lady Bird almost was, was yeah. too representative. It, it had to have come from a place of truth. I feel the exact same way about this. It had to have come from somebody who lived out these conversations with their best friend or had a similar quote-unquote adventure with their best friend at their side or their cousin at their side because I agree with you well I hope not for her sake yeah Eliza yeah sake. but I do think that she had just a deft touch here as a writer director and I think that the specific situation and the characterization but that's what opens up you know the the theme 
to resonate with people. You, it, it, it's not preachy is what I'm trying to get that get across here. And I'm, I'm surprised by that because typically, you know, your second film or third film, whatever, I think this is their third film, you know, you, you're dealing with something you're very passionate about. You can get on a soapbox and she doesn't do that. I'm I'm just so impressed with this. I I do think we should get into a quick Oscar lens for a second here, Mike. Uh, look, put this movie up against the Farewell, First Reformed, Eighth Grade, similar you know previous non-quarter four indie films, and and how how does this one stack up for you? It's up there. It's a different kind of experience than any of those, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's it. It brings up a lot more questions. It makes you, I think it almost makes you feel a lot more heartbreak at times too. Maybe in a different way, maybe in a more personal way. I, this is subject matter. I have no experience with in my personal life. And I was feeling like figurative gut punches and just like my heart was breaking at certain times. Just seeing this character go through this. I feel like maybe there was more relatability in those films because I feel like the everybody went through eighth grade, right? In that awkward <laughs> yeah. phase of their life. Everybody, if not everybody, then most people have had to unfortunately deal with some, some kind of episode dealing with a grandmother or grandfather character or something like that. So this kind of was a new experience for me. So in a lot of ways, yes, I think that's fair to compare this movie to those as far as seminal moments in life and touchstones that people go through throughout their upbringing. But as far as personal connection in the way that little women was able to draw me in, even though I didn't think I had any relatability to those characters, this one kind of did the same there for me. So I do agree with you, but I'm going to, I'll take devil's advocacy here for a second, just for shits. We're not even together. And you got to do this. (laughs) Those other movies had the novelty of a star, right? I mean, you had Aquafina comedian doing the drama thing you had comedian behind the uh the eighth grade movie how can he pull this off right bo burnham yeah paul schrader is oscar narrative uh gold right i mean he's never been nominated before ethan hawk yep critical darling so what needs to happen for never really sometimes always is that the critical community bands together and puts this movie forward if if let's just say everybody doesn't rent it and there's there's overwhelming support for it that way it's got it needs one of those two avenues because i don't think this movie can you know just pop up again nine months from now you know I think I think we have to have the critical community say to everybody, you got to see this movie. This movie's worth seeing. Here's why, whatever. So I don't know if that's our job for this episode, but that's what I'm saying now. And who knows if it's going to be an Oscar contender. My guess is not because it doesn't have some of those other built-in factors. Agree. It should be, though. And that, and I, I think it should be. So, so we want to watch this one. Yo, this is definitely a watch my caveat and the caveat i would even throw into what you just said is yeah we we love what we see here and we want to hype this up the real this is an issue movie to me and it registered as one because this is going to be so hot button if this one did get wide uh watching and a lot of eyes on it and wide acclaim i mean this is a staunchly political issue we're dealing with abortion here uh and i think there's you know it's a hot button topic in many ways religiously politically unfortunately uh so I don't know that even if it does rise to this to the level of critics banding together and wanting to push this one forward, that it's even possible for such a thing without the star power. 
because it, it usually takes something like Adam McKay. Vice was staunchly political, but it had you know the momentum. It had Academy favorites. This, you're making a good point, doesn't really have any of that attached to it, so I don't know that it would ever really get a chance to shine with the Academy. All that said, we'll be campaigning for it because we think this is a great film. I, I guess we're giving a little bit away here, but yes, absolutely, I would say watch this. It's one of the best things that we've reviewed during this quarantine time. And it's a unique film experience. Yes. And I don't think I don't think you get movies like this. I've never seen a movie like this. So if somebody asked me with the choices in the title, does, you know, have you ever seen a movie? I'm saying never. This my that's my goofy ass <laughs> critical. I guess I could have worded that better, if, but as a movie critic, but I'm getting there anyway. I watch, appreciated what you went for there. Watch and support this film, and uh, it is like unlike anything you've ever seen. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. 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 This is the spoiler section for Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar, the Oscar Sprint profile review of the film. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause. It's right at your fingertips, available on video on demand for rent. Go watch the movie now. We'll be here waiting for you when you come back to hit play to hear our thoughts on the spoilers. If you've seen the film already, if you've just been hyped up for the spoiler section by what we said in the non-spoiler section, this is where you want to be. All spoilers, all the time from here on out for Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, we usually start with carryovers. I wanted to start by just having a quick conversation. There's a lot of intimations and hinting, and one of the things I think this film does positively, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't distract from the plot. The plot is about Autumn's story and her journey going through this, seeking out an abortion from her more conservative Pennsylvania hometown, having to travel into the, the more progressive city of New York and Manhattan with her cousin to get this what she finds out to be a later termed pregnancy aborted than she was originally told. She was basically lied to at the start and told this a pregnancy was two months prior to where it is. The movie doesn't tell you who the father is. Right, but it does tell you that she was sexually abused or she admits that in the titular scene, the never really sometimes always seen with the uh, technician there and guidance counselor. I don't know what she's called, but she is a hero. That's absolutely my God, what a tough job that is. And and she's an American hero to do it so well. And what a voice, the perfect voice for that mm-hmm. scene. I mean, it's, it's almost like a, a, a patient care advocate, maybe. I don't know what the exact title is either, but that's they are literally advocating for the patients to go through this, to not only have the entry, entry questionnaire be conducted, but then be willing to go into the procedure room, the operating room, by their side from these these poor women that are coming in off the street that don't really know what else to do as Autumn displayed so well uh, by Sidney Flanagan, the, the actress who plays Autumn there. Uh, great job all around. But okay, the, the intimation, I think we both agree, is that she was a victim of rape at the hands of her stepfather. Yes, that's the implication. There's the, or the ex-boyfriend, but it seems like it's the stepfather. I mean, the stepfather is letting the dog lick his crotch for and. 
look, even in a Larry David sketch, that is a long amount of time. That's right. creepy stuff. Uh, she is given like a yingling beer yeah. by her At mother. 17, yeah. She's 17, and I don't know of any 17-year-olds back when I was dabbling as a kid or, you know, I have four younger brothers. I've All of us have just been like maybe Bud Light when we're really young. Never. <laughs> right. Never. You know, even <laughs> when you're like in college and you have your first whatever – even when when you start drinking beer a little bit, yeah, Bud yeah. Light, it's never a Yingling. That's Yingling. ridiculous. That's a tough dive. I She's agree. been drinking beer for like three years, right? Which is the point. You're, yeah, that's the point you're getting at there, and I totally agree. Which means somebody had to have been feeding her in that household for that time. Um, the other point I wanted to make attached to this, while I we agree that the implication certainly is that it was the stepfather's doing, and thus also why Autumn was so reluctant every step of the way to get her mother involved at all. Um, Every man in this movie is treated, not treated, they're, they're gross. I mean, the, from one, from the store manager they work at, this grocery store, who's like kissing their hands when they drop off the money at night, to, to the guy on the subway who just openly starts rubbing his dick and masturbating when they're the only two on the subway car. Every man is gross, and I think the subtext was... That's how horrifying the world looks to a woman that age going through this and entering the city on her own. So I had a little bit of a problem with that. It's one of my worst scenes. Might as well get okay. out of the way. I don't think ultimately that should be your... If you're going to have so many different male characters that you should have... What do we call it? An Oscars mural, right, in the past? You should have mm-hmm. a mural of male characters that, that always do that. And then I thought back to some movies about racism, right? Mm-hmm. And we had, we're, we're set in the Deep South and... You have all these characters that are all racist. They all happen to be racist because that's the movie. And was that the time period? I don't think it fucking matters is the bottom line. I think what matters is you have a story about a person, and these are the characters that impact her life, and this is the feeling of how they're all impacting her life one after another after another. That's the feeling of being a kid and cornered into yeah, having Yeah, that's exactly to do this. how I took it. Yes, and, I agree. And that's what, that's what this onslaught, this piling on of whether it's the guy at the grocery store talking to the, uh, the cousin – I mean, he's like, do you want to come to a party? He's like 70 years old with a beard. Oh, I totally forgot about that guy. Yeah, gross. He's inviting a 17-year-old. And then you get the and then the bus boy is yep. disgusting. The guy humiliating her in the first scene, the ex-boyfriend. And then the father, the stepfather, sees that girl getting humiliated in the first scene. After, you know, sitting through a three-hour high school talent show, which would make anybody ornery, I'm sure. But sitting there at the, the opening scene... And if you have love for somebody, you would never say what he said to her. Your mother You're... wants me to tell you you did a good job. Right. So there's the, yeah. he's probably not her biological father there. He's, he doesn't have any love for her. That is an, a nasty, disgusting, nightmarish, asshole, criminal person. And every yeah. single guy in this movie is that way. And But it, I think what matters is it's not a Stephen King, you know, the town of Derry, right? It's It's not that. But it's just this girl put in her POV what it That's, feels yeah, like. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is, uh, I mean, and clearly we are in one of the two girls' POV the entire film. Right. Uh, they're the ones telling us this story as us being the audience. So that's how I, and I'm much more apologetic for the same reason. Like, it, were this a, a type of film where we're trying to, to kind of 
prove something? If it was anything other than a character study, or maybe anything other against her being up against this this system systemic issue that right. young women face, then yeah, I might have a more of an issue. But it's her story. It's these two women's journey, literally and figuratively. So I was much more apologetic to it as well. Uh, I agree. Did you have? I guess we could start there since we're on worse already. Uh, you kind of talked yourself off that worst. Did you have any other worsts? I have a few lesser worsts. I think it gets a little frustrating at times the, the movie experience, and I think that's the point, right? Yeah. But we are watching dumbasses make dumbass decisions because we are watching teenagers make dumbass decisions. And right. guess what? I've been working with teenagers for ten years. They make fucking dumbass decisions. We as adults make dumbass decisions. Let's let's be honest. But a teenager cornered with a lot of pressure on them usually makes decisions. Now, this girl makes uniquely bad decisions because she's been a, a, been abused. Right. And, and she is, I mean, she is really having trouble. She's hurting herself. She's, Mike, she's, uh, I mean, they're stealing from their grocery store just to, to go and handle this. I mean, they, they, they make a lot of dumb moves. They don't buy a two-way ticket. Uh, but look, I mean, I made one of those bad moves. I went to New York City when I was like 18 or 19, and I didn't look up all the subway uh, subway and how to get everywhere, and I got lost. <laughs> right. right? And, and, and that that's happened to me before, even when I was in college in New York City, when I wasn't anal about it and looked up where I was supposed to go, I would get lost. And I'm notorious for getting lost. I'm not, I'm not Magellan. I can't look at the stars or look at the street <laughs> signs, find my way around. So I would always have to write it down or look it up and memorize it where I had to go. And they were helpless. Oh, good God. I, I'm just cringing. But I was a dumbass when I was that age. So... That gets yeah. a little frustrating when it piles on into the middle of the movie and she's just wandering through Times Square at the height of the tension of her friend having that transactional scene, sex for money, essentially, with the oh, busboy. Yeah, and they, I mean, they were totally... I think that goes to their, like, babes in the woodness of them, yeah. these two rural Pennsylvania girls coming to the big city. I didn't get the impression that they had actually ever been there before. I know Skylar at one point, at, talking to the bus boy originally on the bus, says, yeah, I love going to New York City. I thought that was just her trying to sound cool, more so than it was she's actually got experience being in Manhattan because these are two women who don't have really any money. Like you just said, they were stealing from their workplace. So, yeah, there's a lot of cringy scenes and cringy decisions I defaulted all those to being this is a 17-year-old who is desperate to get out of this pregnancy and doesn't know what else to do, but also she's so meek. I mean, she's very strong. Don't I, I don't confuse meekness for weakness. She she's just very mild-tempered and very doesn't want to bother anyone. She's an incredibly strong protagonist, but she doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. She doesn't want to ruin her mother's life and let her in on the secret about the father or the stepfather here. So she tries to punch herself in the stomach and get rid of the baby, and we see the bruises that induce yeah. it. She doesn't want to call her mom. Yes, these are all objectively poor decisions in the moment, but I thought they were established well, and Autumn especially was established well enough as a character to uh, that it was explainable, I thought. I, I mean, yeah, but I'm with you. It, was, it made for an incredibly cringe-inducing and frustrating watch at times, absolutely. The caption I wrote above the worst scenes are just kind of scenes that I was mixed about because they're not necessarily bad scenes. It's just, it's really tough to get through them. Right. The only thing that was bad, let me just say, is that, you know, two people, and again, they're dumbass kids, I get it, but two people trying to stay awake for two days straight, don't just go to bakeries, man. <laughs> Especially at our age. You know, you get pastries and bread, fresh bread. You are falling asleep in seconds. I mean, so if I remember correctly, chronologically in the film, we have like them eating the bread and it's a huge scene between them. 
Like it's yes. just that shared, it's that shared understanding of what they mean to each other. And the fact that she's talking to this girl at all is, is Sydney's character, Sydney Flanagan's character, just admitting how much she means to her. Cause she doesn't open up to anybody. Right. And her cousin knows this. I think, uh, I think them eating the bread and then falling asleep on the bus, at least cinematically in that editing, it worked for me. That's a long ass <laughs> point. Work. Make a stupid ass joke. <laughs> We should not be making jokes here because we got a lot of best scenes, though, I think. You know, do you have any more worse? The only other worst I had, and yeah, yeah, I have far more best than worse. The only other worst I had is when they do get into this, like, random tiff at the bus station at the after between days one and two of this procedure where Sydney Autumn basically out of nowhere tells, tells her to fuck off. And I didn't right. understand why. Maybe I missed something. I thought that was kind of out of nowhere. And then I thought that, that Skyler was actually going to leave. But she ends up not leaving. She just ends up putting makeup on uh, on on Autumn's face. So maybe she was just suggesting they exploit the busboy for money to begin with, and Autumn was just against it. I didn't know that. That felt clunky to me. But that's literally the only worst I have. A little clunky, but to be fair, she has like something in her vagina at that moment. Right, it hurts right. a lot. I'm I'm, <laughs> right. I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm not. I, I, but for the record, yeah, I'm not against autumn there at all i thought skyler was yeah. actually going to leave and my i was outraged i was like how could you leave your cousin in this state even though she told you you can go home if you want yeah the prior scene that's so. true that's the yeah. right thing to do but the the kid who probably you know just spent a day and a half with with no money it lost in new york city has probably got a lot of built-up anxiety i'm guessing right. so right yeah Most vent a little bit be like what the fuck right. <laughs> what do you mean we got to stay here another day and a half i'm gonna have to fuck some french actor you know for money the next right. that the, un, what's so sad about that scene mike is that she is unfazed i mean can you imagine having to deal with a 65 year old man hitting on you when you're 17 like if that happened to me if an older woman hit on me when i was that age i would be I scarred know. for life and it seems like it's happening all the time to this girl. She's a pretty girl and she has to deal with that shit. Are you kidding me? That actually lends itself to one of my best scenes is that yeah. when they're on the bus and I think this is a, a prototypical example of why you needed a, a female filmmaker to to make this movie and if this was in a male voice it, there's a lot of things that would have been mishandled but one of the scenes where they we meet the busboy for the very first time he's trying to get Skylar's attention and he puts his hand on her shoulder because he doesn't right. she doesn't hear him trying to get her attention or she's ignoring it and the camera just lingers on his hand on her shoulder and then it pans up to Skylar looking down at his hand and it was like a shocking moment to me because we as men we think we're doing something innocent and what's the big deal and it's no and yet we're invading this poor girl's personal space she doesn't give her consent to be touched in that moment why are you laying a hand on her she's obviously trying to ignore you you have to respect that and i think that was a beautifully done moment there was so much done in that one shot to me so much being said without a word actually being spoken the juxtaposition of that scene and when Harry met Sally is why you hate rom-coms, is my guess. <laughs> Fuck that I movie. think that's the truth. <laughs> well, I'm just... No, I mean, because, I mean, uh, you and I don't pull shit like this, never have, right. never will. I, I, I don't... I, I'm, a, I'm a very introverted person, so I don't understand, like, just breaking into conversation with anybody on, on right. the subway or the bus. It makes no sense to me. It never happened. And I commuted back and forth to New York City and Greenwich for years from where I'm at, hours at a time. Never happened. I had headphones in. doesn't make any sense. And to, 
yeah, to put your hand on somebody is oh, good, good God. And he's basically a predator. And that's what he turns right. out to be. Right. I think it's an honest portrayal in that first scene. I mean, there was she wasn't pulling any punches, Eliza Hitman, with the, these portrayals of, of all the male actors. No, absolutely not. And and I think it was done, I agree, purposefully. And like we said, it, it serves its purpose within the context of the film. Absolutely. What about you for best, Mike? So I, I really think the scenes at the first clinic are, are very telling. And then you get the bookend of that when she goes to the New York City clinic. I and hated that woman. Hated her. I, that, right. that, that whole practice is despicable to me. But is it? I mean, that's the point of the film, like right. So basically, the the first clinic lied to her so that she wouldn't get the abortion. Or she wouldn't even think late. about yeah. it. She'd be too late, and, and that's like criminal, right? Isn't that defrauding her and telling? I her don't know she's... how it isn't, but this. I mean, I've heard horror story, I, not firsthand, but I've I've read about and seen horror stories like that that happen widespread, especially in more conservative outlets like that. Yeah. So that's a scary sequence, right? And it's a frustrating sequence. And when she watches the Hard Truth video, it's it's jarring. But then you understand why she goes home and goes to drastic measures and pierces her nose just right. to feel pain and and punches herself. You get it. You get it all. I mean, it totally makes sense. And then the way she tells her friend. And that the way that scene goes on, she's barfing in the toilet, and her friend comes in. You don't even hear the revelation that I'm pregnant, and this is what I'm dealing with. You don't even hear any of that. You just, they just walk out, and these two are bonded in that moment. And next thing you know, they're dealing with another scummy guy, and they're stealing money from the grocery store. Look, I mean, it, you get why they do it. It's not a melodrama in no. the least. And I, no. I just think that's really smart because these scenes happen fast, and they're very subtle at times. And you're dealing with, you know, a complex situ- uh, level of, levels of fear, let's just say. You're dealing with complex levels of fear and psychology. You're putting that on a kid, and it just adds so much more because you're dealing with all your feelings of, of, of empathy and you want to protect this kid. Mike, I can't imagine if I overheard a 65-year-old man say that to a 17-year-old kid, whether I coached the kid or worked with the kid or taught the kid or not. I mean, can you imagine if you're the person behind them, you're reporting that person to a police officer. Oh, I know exactly. I I may not have butt in immediately because I wouldn't know their relationship if he knew her or whatever already, but I would definitely check in with her after he was gone to see if, if he knew you anything. heard that conversation yeah. you're doing something about oh, it oh and- uh, i mean yeah i, I mean as, absolutely if i knew if i if it was clear to me that that's exactly what was going on yeah i'm reporting him and right. whether it's, it's i interrupt that conversation or i find out after the fact yeah he's getting known about to the local authorities absolutely yeah that's gross yeah I feel bad though because this is not about our righteous anger no, or male not at just all. getting mad not at thing, all. And, and, and I'm probably be, I'm but probably wrong I, to get that I, way. But th- this movie does make me angry. At but times. right, and I think that's the point, and I think that's the mark of a good filmmaker because I felt myself feeling all these emotions like you did with a lesser or a less deft touch on this directorially or a less enveloping performance and, and a solicitous performance from Sidney Flanagan. I don't think it would have worked. The best scene of the movie to me was all Sidney Flanagan, which we already yes talked about this never rarely sometimes always seen where she finally uh, this soft-spoken girl who has to deal with all this stuff in her life and all this bullshit dealing with all the strength that she has finally shows some emotions finally starts breaking down and tearing up letting somebody in on what's been going on in her life even though it's this 
for all intents and purposes, stranger at the Manhattan Clinic, admitting, yes, I've been forced to have sex against my will. Yes, I've been sexually assaulted. She's answering this question, this never, rarely, sometimes, always questionnaire. And my Lord, I thought Flanagan was putting on an absolute clinic. And the voice acting from behind. I mean, the the gently leading into that line of questioning the sequence. Right. But also being direct with the girl, treating her like an adult. And And to be honest with you, when you when you're just honest with a kid and you don't hide them hide shit from them and and you don't try and play games with them and manipulate them that's the best way to you know to to relate to anybody i would think right. never mind kids but de- definitely kids and that's what this woman does i mean she just states it forthwith she's not like the previous clinic lied to her about x y and z you know trying to manipulate her with all these fear tactics i mean you could you know you could tell this is a bible verse ironically but you could tell a tree, the health of a tree by its fruits. I learned that from the Bible. <laughs> and yet you have all the nasty protests, all the people screaming, you're going to burn in hell. You have all the people lying at the at the Christian clinics. Those are not true Christians, in my opinion. I, they I, don't understand I, the hypocrisy. The opinion. hypocrisy makes my fucking right. hair stand up. The loving people in this situation are these technicians, are these people working at the at the clinic, and they are the other side of the coin for all these Stephen King characters. Yeah. You know, they are the, they are the rebuttal of all of them. So that is something very refreshing and that's how she balances the ensemble. And this particular scene with that technician and going through this, uh, this line of questioning, it floored me. I was mesmerized. I didn't write a word during that scene. I rewound it and I watched it again. It was just that brutal. It was that heartbreaking. It's one of the best scenes in a long while, and it's what you're going to remember this movie for. It's absolutely what you're going to remember this movie for, one. I think that's a great point by you. It also, to me, just underlines the great job Sidney Flanagan did because that Autumn character makes you earn any emotion, even as the yeah. viewer of this movie. The only two times in this movie she really shows emo- any emotion whatsoever is that scene and a scene after the procedure is over, after the abortion is completed, and she finally cracks a fucking smile at the right. diner with Skylar after all this weight has been lifted off her chest. Finally, this ordeal is behind her. Uh, you have to earn. Everything else is just this, this, this figurative gut punch to you, and you're just dying with this character who's giving you nothing and because she's giving you nothing you could see her strength and resolve through the whole thing i was mesmerized quite frankly and they they give a lot of strength and resolve to the uh to the other character as well the cousin character to skylar as well i absolutely agree so skylar uh them doing that little pinky you know grasp when she's basically having to do what she had to do to get the money from this guy just disgusting and that whole sequence the transactional nature nature of that sequence Mm -hmm. the fact that it seems commonplace for this girl is a nightmare right it's just a a whole kind of nightmare it is commonplace i mean that's the worst part of this is that men just don't know how to take a no i mean the bus boy didn't know how to read the signs at at the when she she was being ignored he offered three or four times to take skylar downtown whatever the fuck that meant until he finally does do this transactional deal i mean it was gross and to see i mean i 
women have to deal with this and it's just it's disgusting I, working ugh. with kids this age they should not be meeting each other on tr- on trains or buses they should be in school number one <laughs> they should be introduced to one another by their parents i've gone somewhat liberal in other ways but now i'm uber conservative right with kids because i the I world can, is a terrible terrible place nobody should do anything nobody should do anything social distance and and then the last thing mike is i guess the the follow-up appointment the next day how do they deal with the procedure and it was very cut and dry here's what happens xyz yeah very efficient very productive safe and that is so different than any portrayal of this i've ever seen in any movie Uh, the the abortion was not the procedure itself was not a huge yeah i mean we've seen you know we've seen in ides of march i just rewatched that other movies there are abortions whatever but you don't have to see them necessarily but this is just this is so important for the movie because I i think in a morality tale i think in other kinds of movies that are hand handled with a heavier hand let's just say you could have complications you could tr- be trying to stretch to make your points there's none of that here it's more about these girls let's get to know these girls and understand their situation and and love them and relate to them right. and 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 that's what's so important here and that's why this filmmaker is going to have a great career mike because she understands character as good as anybody i've seen in a while so i'm very impressed with liza hitman very impressed with this movie and I, I learned a lot. I don't know about you. Oh, oh, absolutely. And if, if not learned, then just was was reintroduced and, and re-empathized with this. Right, and it's just, right. it's it's terrifying. I mean, I have a little niece and I just, oh, I just shudder to think. And it's all the stuff that I can't teach her because I don't have firsthand experience with it. It's just a wake-up call, and it's well, terrifying, and it's a great job by Hitman and, and and the performers as well. I totally agree. What do you have a uh, final grade on this, Mike? I think I talked myself up to an A minus. Wow! And I was at a B plus eighty nine. I think I'm an A minus ninety. I think if I study this movie more than just the one watch, I'm learning a lot more from it. Just cinematically, never mind. Eliza Hitman can make a great film. She can make me feel the things I felt for this movie. Oh my God! I mean, you got to be a talented filmmaker because that's, that's what it's all about. Now, you're going to tell your niece, and we're going to tell our audience here that pastries and bread, if you're trying to stay awake for two days, <laughs> bad idea. And also, this I'll get my words of wisdom out of the way now. To, in this okay, rant, good. Rant. Yeah. And also, buy round-trip tickets. Right. Especially if you're on like a mission in New York City and you've never been there. That mm-hmm. was very dumb. And thirdly, uh, I think you need to know where you're going on the subway. It's just know where you're going on the subway. Yeah, and I like that you didn't include don't steal from supermarkets because if they're in a corporately owned chain, steal from them. They could take the loss. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I know some good lawyers that could help you out. Obviously, I'm joking. Don't take that seriously, please. Uh, I'm like you. I talked myself up in grading on this. Uh, I was a firm B, and I think I'm going to give it a B plus. I wish I had more technically to be wowed at and marvel at, uh, but as far as what was there and the performances I was given and the directorial job that we were given, I think this is outstanding. So I'm probably uh, an 87, 88 right now, B plus, strong B plus in that range. I think far and away, this is, if Onward's not the best movie of 2020 so far, I think this is... It's close for me with Crip Camp. I actually gave Crip Camp a really high grade in our OSP that. So I'm still a little higher on that one. This is, as a $20 movie experience, though, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the movie as a movie, and it really was a fulfilling experience. So it's worth $20, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I should explain. I haven't seen. I've seen Crip Camp, but I have not seen The Invisible Man, which also has gotten high marks across the board. So I, I know right. that's in the running for that as well. But look, I, yeah, Mike said it best just then. 1999, if you're like me, a country bumpkin, you live in a place where movie tickets can still be found for $8. It's a little high, but I think it's this is worth every penny, even for a 48-hour rental yeah. for 1999. I get it. I mean, you can wait until this is $6. You can wait a couple months. The Oscars aren't coming anytime soon. So, all right, fine. Maybe you listen to this. You know, a couple months from now, when we're recording it in uh, in the early April, but see this movie before the Oscars, yeah. before you yeah. make your list. I mean, it's that important. It's good. And to be fair, maybe the Oscars never happen again because the world might be ended by then. But I guess that's a different topic for a different day. I echo what Mike said there. Definitely make it a point to see this movie. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. If you have seen the movie, by the way, guys, as always, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about not only this movie, not only this review, but anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you happen to be listening to us in your downtime during quarantine, we cannot thank you enough for letting us try to entertain you for a little bit. If you would be so kind, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, to give us a five-star review, it would take 10 seconds out of your day. It would be a good deed for the day. We would truly appreciate it. Michael, you said your words of wisdom already. Basically, it was don't carbo-load, even though I know for a fact all you and I have been doing oh, in quarantine right. is carbo-loading. Well, we can so, sleep a lot, yeah. Right, so what do we have coming next from MMO? So we have MMOW, and that's all we know at this point. Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly is coming up next. Maybe we have to have a production meeting somewhere in between the WrestleMania talk or after WrestleMania and come up what the hell we're doing after that. We know we just announced the James Bond character study will return. We slammed many of those Bond movies. Mike, I just rewatched another Bond movie last night, The Man with the Golden Gun, and I hated every second of it. So I'm waiting for a good Bond movie. I don't know if that's coming I don't know if I should even be talking about it in this particular review. <laughs> I'm an idiot. You laughed, so we'll leave it in. Mike, I think uh, I think we got a lot of fun stuff planned, at least in terms of the theoretical stages right now. We got yes. some big ideas. We got yes, some big we ideas. We're going to commit to one big idea and probably a bunch of little ideas going forward. And we got some big news coming up on MMOW with South by Southwest and Tribeca. That's really cool. Maybe we can get into the film festival game a little bit virtually, which is going to be fun too. Which may be a big change for the industry going forward. I can see that sticking, but like you said, that'll wait for MMOW. Guys, as always, uh, when reality sucks, when you're in quarantine, when life kind of is not so great, you can come watch these movies, hang out, and hopefully have some laughs with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See ya.